Hey, everybody, welcome. This is Reanimated. I'm Stuart, and joining me is the inevitable H.A. Conrad in New York. Hello. Hello. Welcome back. Today, it's kind of a momentous uh, episode because we're going to start winding down the prime show of The Walking Dead. I mean, we have been for 16 episodes already, but now it's the last chapter, right, of this 24-episode mega season. Um, and so we're going to be talking about episode 17 of season 11, Lockdown, uh, a, a name for a head title uh, of an episode that uh, is quite triggering. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of a funny choice of words. Me too. But when we get there, um, it will have been because we've talked about the news. That was an awkward way to say that sentence. But we have a little bit of uh, near Comic-Con was this week. And so I'm sure that you've been picking up here and there some stuff, H.A., I tend to try to avoid, you know, the spoileries and things that come out of that. Um, so I I have not necessarily been tracking what's been happening there. So Well, well uh, at least one thing that we're going to talk about today that happened there was I, I don't know if it was like an AMC and Rice panel, but uh the Mayfair uh, yeah. Witches had a panel and the Mayfair Witches was announced since the last time we'd spoke and a trailer has dropped. <laughs> like right. it like kind of went from 0 to 60. Yeah, and it's also interesting because, I mean, obviously the interview with the Vampire series is out. Um, I still haven't watched it yet, so you can give your impressions. Um, But, you know, I I think it's interesting that they're doing, I I, clearly this stuff must have been in development, but Anne Rice just died. And I don't know if like her son is sort of like involved in all this or there was just like this big push. I will say her books you know have a flair for the dramatic they're kind of made for tv people like to do things with them in the way that they want to do them and i think that there's a lot of leeway though i feel like i remember she was very specific about the way that her um intellectual property was used and she had very specific ideas about interviews so i'm just wondering given her health and and all of that, like maybe she let it go a little bit. Maybe that's like she was just like, eh, no holds barred. Now. <laughs> I don't know. But um, the trailer looked pretty good, Um, at least, you know, it, entertaining enough. I also think it's kind of funny that you and I have talked about this before, but different supernatural things have kind of like a cycle that they'll come in and out. And I think witches are kind of coming back now. Which yeah. is a vampire, so that's kind of interesting um, that they're they're making their appearance now, um, because usually they're before. Usually they're not during like a downturn in the market. They're usually at like the height and the heyday. So this will be kind of interesting to see. But it may just be because this stuff was delayed due to pandemic and other things, right? Yeah, the the zeitgeist is hard to nail down sometimes. Yeah, I will say casting Alexandra D- D- Dario. I, I'm not sure what her how you say her name, but she is. Um, very uh very hot i guess i would say <laughs> in many ways uh so it'll be interesting i don't know how good of an actor she is but um it's it, it should be an interesting uh, approach at the very least at least with gray worm the, the name of the actor in uh, the interview with the vampire i forget also but he was in game of thrones has kind of a cachet to his his acting chops to play louis um yeah, this this woman um, to play. I don't even know what the lead character's name is in the, uh, the lead Mayfair. character is Rowan. Rowan. It's I'm kind of uh, I have some trepidation about how this is going to come together. It was it was basically like porn reading some of that book. Well, I mean, it, it wasn't that, all, but that's what I was going to say. Like she really, really goes like for the throat in terms of like 
the gothic novel themes but really like it's almost like it, like honestly like laughing some like reading some of those books i would laugh out loud because i was just like oh my goodness she really oh she went there yeah like she hits every single sort of like taboo subject and like you know there is like a ton of incest and like and once you think that the oh it can't get but worse than this and then she like peels away like another layer of incest and like She's she's really just uh we'll see what they do with this, but it is gonna be uh we'll have to see how they what treatment they give this. Um I will say that the idea of like the main sort of supernatural being in all of this lasher is is kind of a cool idea. Um Yeah. I mean it but, it morphs but, over the series too of the books. Like it starts yeah. as one thing and by the end of the series you're like, wait, it's he's something very different and strange. And yeah. so I don't know. Like we'll have to see. Again, I I have some trepidation as well because of these the way that, that, that these books went. But I'm also good. I'm willing to be entertained. I'm definitely willing to be entertained. I'm, I'm definitely yeah because we're gluttons, but we'll <laughs> definitely in for it. Um, I'll I'll just talk quickly about Interview with the Vampire also now since it's part of this like franchise. This Walking Dead, there or sorry, AMC has been like, well, Walking Dead might be you know we even though we have three spinoffs starting next year. Um, <laughs> we might be seeing the end of the zombie cash cow. So let's let's, let's see, switch gears. What's the other supernatural things to do. So tell me about it. Like how? So how do they? I'm very curious, and I will watch this. But how do they make Louis like the plantation owner? How do they do that with this particular character? Well, they don't. They've modernized the story, and I think uh, it needed it. Right. It did. First of it all, did. they've they've not just recast him from a Brad Pitt to. I wish I knew Grey Worm's actual name. Like calling him Grey Worm feels kind of disrespectful, but it's how I know Hang him. On, I will look this up. Once. Um, but it's he is no longer a plantation owner. He oh, is actually, uh, I don't know if I should tell you because it's kind of spoilery, but it does get revealed in the first five minutes of the episode. But that is no longer his profession. He is just a working man of some means, but is definitely still in the skin he's in and and in new orleans in the early 19 or you know whenever it is 19th century um it life life uh they're they're not shying away from life of black people in the south uh you know in that time and so well and i have to admit to you when they announced that the show was coming out i was before i even saw like any any of the trailers or whatever i was like wow because this is a really tough theme like if you look at the original books there's some a lot of problems and problematic things looking at it and yeah. so i'm glad that they've modernized it um and john anderson oh sorry jacob anderson is the name of the actor who plays jacob him. anderson and I, I think he's doing amazing uh, um, i love him as an actor uh yeah. this is i like i was excited to see that he was cast in this role and i know that there was a lot of, of similar unfortunately similar to other things people were getting like really worked up about what they were what they were doing with this and how they were changing it but i think high time and um so like how many episodes have you watched have you watched everything so I've far honestly only watched the first one there's only two available uh okay. I've, I've watched only the first one i'm tr there's a lot of tv that is coming out weekly right now and so i'm like trying to drip feed myself on all of it you know all right so uh, what but you liked the you liked these episodes and yeah. I, i'm gonna jump into it i should do it another just one other detail that i want to mention is that they've modernized it not just in like the, the 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 context of like you know telling a story about about these kinds of characters they have also modernized it in that this is actually not the first interview 
that the journalist and the vampire have. Like they hmm. they did one in 1970s and now they're doing one in 2021, I oh, think. That's kind of cool. Yeah, so they're uh, they've actually, you know, straight up capital M modernized it. They've brought the story into the present day. So I think that that is very cool. Um I mean it changes things, but it's Oh, but uh, I like that cool. idea. That's kind of cool. Yeah. All right. I'm going to I'm going to check it out and then I'll give my impressions next time. Yeah, I think we should, you know, even have a have a look at it because because it's it is different. It's a change of pace, and right. it's like you said, vampires might be the new hotness. And another thing, I mean, it's it's October, but another thing that might indicate that vampires are on the rise uh, from their from their coffins, as it were, is an AV Club listicle that they rate their top twenty five vampire shows. And I've got them listed here in our show notes. Yeah. And, and HA, I'm wondering them, how I, many of them, how many of them have you seen or like what? Uh, yeah. I've seen almost all of them. And I have to say, um, I agree with some of their, some of their readings. Um, like, I think it's, I think being human actually belongs a little higher up. Um, Was that British? It, it It is. And then they made an American version of it. Um, Do we know which one they're looking at? I don't. Um, I'm assuming it's I feel like that's got to be the American one Um, but it was like their overall but maybe that's there because it's not just a vampire show it's like a vampire ghost and werewolf show mm-hmm. so there's multiple genres in there so that I, that's fine Um, I thought you know Hemlock Grove is atrocious the fact that it even made it this list is just ridiculous but oh, I mean I've there were elements of Hemlock Grove that I enjoyed, mostly the werewolf stuff, if I'm being honest. Uh, but it was also my introduction to that Skarsgård mm. Will, the before he was it. This was his breakout role to me, at least. Uh, and I thought he did okay. He was he was a little bit, a little bit odd. Um, but what I think, I think the originals, I think the originals is a terrible show. Um, from dusk till dawn, being up here uh, uh, above several other shows, I think is also very strange. I couldn't get past the pilot. Yeah, it was really bad. Um, I so I don't even know that I watched a ton of it. And then, um, and I also feel like Preacher deserves to be a little higher on the list. I don't feel like Penny Dreadful is at all a vampire show. I think that that's like similar to to being human. It like, if anything, it's more of a witch type of show with the main character. But um, you know, I like you know I like these listicles just to see if there's anything new out there and things like that. Um, did you ever watch the original Dark Shadows that they're putting at oh, number ten? Yeah, 10? of course I did. I watched it as a kid. And did I you watch it like all the way through? Oh yeah, I was I like, was, this was one yeah. of those shows that was always on, and I would watch yeah. it for a little while and be like, this is so dull. There's nothing happening. <laughs> well, it was like, I mean, it was a soap opera. It was terrible. I don't like. I think it's there for legacy purposes, probably. Yeah. Um. I also okay. You know, I am a huge Buffy and Angel fan. But I just I don't know that Buffy deserves the number one spot. There's there's pro- like I think that there's lots of good things about it. There's um, a lot of nostalgia, I, I think, in, in there reading is, it there. In, maybe in this list, there's the nostalgia. I think Midnight Mass was fantastic. Um, I also thought Preacher definitely, if you haven't checked it out, is amazing. If you were into those books, um, it's really dark. Um, and again, maybe not totally a vampire thing. True Blood um, is it, pretty high up on the list at number five. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I'm glad that Midnight Mass made the top five also, yeah. uh, but, but I, I was never shadows, into. Yeah, what, what we, we do in the shadows is a cool pool. It's amazing, amazing. So I don't know, but I think it's cool to put some things in here. Um, Forever Night, I can't believe that this made the list, but have you ever seen that show? Is that like a 1990s uh, <laughs> yeah, like crime procedural? 
Yes, he's like a detective and it's like incredibly, but you know, there's like a cheesiness and things to it. I actually really loved this show um, from a like, like ridiculous point of view. So I used to watch this and there used to be American She-Wolf in London, which was terrible. Wow. Um, they were both equally bad, but, but I like fodder just to have on in the background. And those were two of those types of shows. And it was like, how terrible can you make a show? And both of those were it. So um, it, it, I don't know. Like, um, And Moonlight, I have never seen though. Um, I hear okay things about it, but it's like, one of the dudes from Veronica Mars, I think. It's like a um, one year. It's a one it season ever, show. I don't think that it ever ever aired here. It's I an interesting list. It's yeah. it's probably worth taking a look at some of these. Like some of these I've never seen. Legacies, the originals. I've only watched a tiny bit of Penny Dreadful. Oh, I watched a lot of Penny Dreadful, but again, it was one of those things. Like so, especially when I'm um, when I'm on the rowing machine. I have shows that I can watch and shows and they have to be sort of like, they can't be that serious. They have to be just bad enough, but they have to also keep my attention. And Penny, Penny Dreadful is definitely one of those. And they would bring a lot of things into it. Um, it like they kind of do the, they play upon sort of very specific. It's like, um, it's called to me, it's like everything but the kitchen sink kind of a show um, where they bring like, you know, um every possible monster or like um like sort of gothic thing um that you could possibly imagine in it like it, it just is ridiculous so um but eva green is the main i think the main main protagonist in that she's kind um, of amazing and she's amazing and she was definitely she carried she made that series a lot better than it had any right to be um and it's really just, you know, they've got everybody in there. They've got like Dracula and Frankenstein and uh, I think they have Jekyll and Hyde. And I want to say that they've also have like Dorian Gray in there. Um, so it's sort of like they, they pull every single Victorian gothic yeah. thing into this. And it's really beautiful. Like it's shot beautifully. So, I mean, it's, it's, but it's a silly show. So if you're looking for a little bit of fodder, if you want to do watch this on your rowing machine or, or your treadmill or whatever, I think it's definitely entertaining enough for that. My show for that was always uh, Peaky Blinders. I don't know why, but I watched a lot of Peaky Blinders on a elliptical or on a other uh, workout device. I'm not sure what the appeal was, but that was, that was my show. Um, Okay, so that's it's a list of the top 25 vampire shows according to AV Club, and it's worth a look, and we'll link to it, and you can have a look at that on our Twitter, Reanimated PCAST. Uh, so otherwise, there isn't a lot of other big news, but I just wanted to keep a couple of projects on our radar. Um, I believe Kevin, who had emailed us a week or two ago, had mentioned Last Train in New York and its release yep. date. And... Um, and, and it looks like their release date is actually up in the air. And Last Train in New York is the American remake of Last Train in Busan, mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, um, all we have no idea what's coming. It's uh, by D director Timo. I forget his last name, but um, this guy has some good credentials. And I think it's worth being excited about. We just have to kind of wait and see. The reason why its release date is up in the air is because Salem's Lot just got moved to its uh, release the same day that last train to New York was slated 
which was mm. like April 21st, 2023. So that also was kind of like a shock to me. I did not know they were remaking Salem's Lot. Um, also, well, like how many Salem's Lot things can we do? Like, <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> what, what's your what's your feeling about it? There's actually well, no I trailer mean, or promotional art for it either. And it's coming you know, there, out in like six months. There's the, the 1975 Salem's Lot, which is, you know, uh, kind of, uh, you know, uh, sorry, or it was like, uh, um, sorry, the uh, the book was from 1975. I think they did a like a miniseries or something in the late 70s, I want to say. Um, but then there was another one in the early aughts as well. Um, and so, I've seen none of them. So this will probably um, be my first Salem's Lot. Yeah. And um, it's going to be set in 1975, which I think is kind of an interesting approach. Huh. Um, but any well, I think there's certain things that don't work if you tried to modernize it. So um the old cell phone conundrum. Yeah. So I, I think that's probably it. Um, but anyway, I'll give it a I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. So let's see. Um, but yeah, looking forward to reviewing some of these things with you. Um, also there was, you know, my little my little favorite pet project that I keep keep hoping actually is gonna come out. So I've seen conflicting information about um Lockwood and Co. And that's the sort of steampunk supernatural ghost detective thing with the teenagers who are the protagonists. And that is supposed to actually still like it's still listed as coming out on October 31st on Netflix. But then there's other people that say it's coming out in December. So I don't know if they ran into production issues, but um, I'm curious to see what they do with it. I, I, I wait and I'm a little bit, uh, I'm a little bit worried because the books are really amazing. So I hope that they can do justice, but um, are there zombies in any of the stories? There are sort of zombies and not okay. enough, I think, for us to review, but there is a big supernatural element that's kind of interesting. So, yeah. And then, of course, other projects that don't have release dates still uh, include the ZOM 100 bucket list of the dead, which we had talked about. No release date for that. And that's that's a Korean show, I believe. All of us are dead. Season two, question mark. Not sure if that's even coming. I think we'd heard roundabout way that it was. No, no idea when. And of course, Kingdom season three, if they're going to do keep going with that story after Ocean of the North, no idea when that's coming out. So hopefully we'll hear more about those coming next year, I assume is the best case scenario. Yeah. Um, and then uh, there is all I don't know when the uh, probably this is not for a while, but have you heard of the book The Ninth House? No. Um, so it's basically um, a supernatural series, like or a, a, I don't. I think it's going to be a three book series. There's one book out now. The next book comes out, I think, uh, this winter. Uh, but it's been optioned for an Amazon um, like uh, adap- adaptation as a TV series. Um, but basically, it, it's this whole, uh, and it's kind of a funny premise. It's like a premise around why New Haven is the way it is, despite being like an Ivy League town. And um, really, it's because there's like different uh, things about witchcraft and supernatural things going on. Uh, zombies are involved uh, with one of the houses, I think. Um, but it will have to, we'll have to circle back to that later. But it's the interesting part is that all these things are kind of being optioned. Um, and I almost like it's it's kind of interesting just to see again, I think this one is more of like a witchcraft 
type book. So it's interesting to see that this genre, this specific horror genre is like making its reappearance. So we'll, we'll have to see what happens. Indeed we will. Well, it's, it's still cool to see horror kind of in the vein of things that we enjoy watching, uh, you know, with some, some momentum behind them. So we will continue to report out on when stuff is coming and and then probably watch it. Yeah. Uh, but what we have to talk about still today is season 11, episode 17 of The Walking Dead Prime, entitled Lockdown. With that uh, with that very, uh, you know, sensitive word. And they made this fully in COVID. So I'm sure a lot of the cast and crew and the writers were probably like, oh, yeah, let's really let's make people sit up and pay attention. Let's lean, let's lean into this. This was directed by Greg Nicotero and written by Julia Ruckman or Ruchman, I'm not sure, and had a fairly low for The Walking Dead, um, 1.19 million viewers. I'm not, uh, you know, I don't know what uh, what kind of numbers they're used to getting these days, but I have a feeling that's one of their lower uh, audiences. Because if you look back at the uh, the rest of the episodes in season 11, they don't really get below 1.6 or 1.5 million. Well, I also think that part of it is that people just don't know when this stuff is coming out and they didn't like the way they've released this. So maybe they'll get more as people realize that it's back on. Yeah. Uh, and I would say I I don't know about you, but I had a few issues in this episode with remembering plot points from earlier in this season that I don't feel like, like names, you know, when, when Hornsby gets on the radio at one point in this episode and is like Calhoun, Calhoun. I'm like, who the hell is Calhoun? Yeah. You know, I know what, I know when, when I see his face later, I know exactly who he is, but, uh, but it took me same. It, t- it definitely took me a minute with some of those characters to be like, Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, and I, I know maybe this is just like old man yelling at cloud sort of issues where everybody else is like, of course we know who Calhoun is. But I'm also, then on the other hand, I'm like, I have watched every episode of The Walking Dead, many of them more than once. And if Mm -hmm. I'm not like immediately cluing in on this stuff, I don't know. Is that, is that really my fault? Yeah. (laughs) It it could still be. Look, I think that this is part of the issue that you and I have talked about before in terms of the whole sort of, some of the and again, I, I think I think there were some challenges and they did talk about a little, few of these challenges. They had filmed all these during the pandemic. Um, but I do think that one of the things with the Commonwealth that I found difficult in the, you know, at all along is that I feel like they have too many people involved, too many groups involved, and you're not able to sort of and they're not distinct enough that you're like, oh, yeah, OK, uh, that's that's that guy or whatever. So I think that that's you're running into the exact issue that exact issue with this so yeah uh this this episode begins and i think uh if you watch the after show with um oh god what's wrong with my brain today who's the showrunner angela kang thank you uh if you watch the after show uh explication with her she talks about these um these sort of like intro it's like a montage of of scenes from old episodes with voiceover from Judith. Uh, and so you get some scenes of Rick in the hospital. Some mm-hmm. people were good guys and, you know, their found family stuff. And some people were bad guys. And then they have clips of the governor and Shane and Sebastian is at the end of the list of bad guys. And like, he doesn't deserve to be no, there. He's not even like in there, but 
I, you know, um, there is, I forget the podcast I was listening to. I want to say, I don't know. Do you know who uh, Merlin Mann is? No. Uh, well, he does like a bunch of podcasts and whatever, and uh, just not anything to do with these things. But one of the things that he was saying, uh, because they, they do have a clip of Negan, Negan at his baddest self in there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he was just like, you know, the thing about Walking Dead is that they had this villain and the guy was just so charismatic and wonderful that they just couldn't get rid of him. And now he's got like, and I was thinking like, oh, he's kind of right because now he's got his own like spinoff show coming yep. and, you know. Um, so the one thing I thought about those flashbacks, though, is like, oh, my goodness, how young everybody looks because yeah. i mean it's been going on so long and i i did like those callbacks um but specifically they have um in this one the one that i thought was probably especially of note is the one of of daryl with merle with his brother um yeah man i forgot how short his hair was at the beginning of this yeah and and it it that's that's in the that's at the beginning of the episode two, because then it is oh, like gosh, all sorry. it's all Daryl, uh, all it's Daryl's hair journey really is is kind of the the, the motif of my that bad. montage. My bad. This is what happens when I when I watch two episodes. Um, <laughs> and it's not but, two; it's seven. It's eighteen, I guess. But yeah, um, I, I think it's no, going to be an interesting journey to go on with the if they're going to put a montage at the beginning of every one of the last however many episodes there are. It'll be kind of interesting to see. Well, but and Angela Kane was saying that part of why they did this was just, you know, they want to give, you know, they 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 do want those callbacks. They want everybody to kind of get that sense of where how like where they've come from and as it as it informs where they're going. And I thought that that was kind of a nice touch. I liked yeah. it. No, I, I concur. Um, we come out of the montage and um, we are kind of like i'm i'm struggling a little bit to remember like where we left off uh you know however many months ago at the end of well, the, the, the big, first part the of the season thing that, the big thing that we left off was that maggie was being hunted by hornsby right and then or, there was- it was like so what i think what happened was leah had maggie in the cabin right or late Le- Le- leah leah um Le- and maggie had beyond all belief and expectation really kind of held her own in a big fight with Leah. But then ultimately Leah did have the upper hand and Daryl saved Maggie by shooting his ex lover. Yep. Uh, And then Hornsby got caught on the face at some point in that scene. I don't remember exactly how that worked. Maybe it was a bullet wound. Um, And then they run away. And then there were some montage shots of Hornsby like taking over all of our good guy encampments like Oceanside and putting the big fascist banners on Alexandria and Hilltop. If that, if I, does that sound right to you? Yeah. But I mean, I think that the big part of this is that he viewed Maggie as sort of like his number one person that was organized and resisting organizing. Because she wouldn't let him just willy nilly walk around in Hilltop. And he had like tried to interrogate Herschel. Right. But specific, not just interrogate Herschel, but he was specifically using him as a pawn and as a threat to Maggie. So, um, and remember, you know, Maggie and, um, and her team, uh, had all been in Negan's little thing. And there was that whole standoff with, um, Hornsby where they were all like hiding in the, the walls and things like that. And so, you know, there's there's subversion going on within the ranks of the Commonwealth with our with our 
people. Um, and, and Hornsby had had like greenlit a uh, a like a burnt, scorched earth campaign against this apartment building. Right. To what end? I don't really remember. Still weird, but you know, whatever. Uh, but that's where we met back up with Negan and his new baby mama and uh, whoever else was left from that community because a lot of them were killed. And so I think the action kind of picks up after the cabin fight and Daryl and Maggie have run away and now are in like town um, with the uh, Commonwealth hunting them. And Gabriel and Aaron show up with Negan and Annie and it's, it, okay. it just feels a little bit chaotic. It does feel chaotic. I've got to like say when they have the Commonwealth ser- soldiers in their like stormtrooper gear, the one thing that I find to be really weird is that <laughs> suddenly the the walkers have superhuman strength and can tear through armor and bite through. Like they get those guys like they rip them apart, re- like seemingly very easily to yeah. almost to the point where that armor might be a liability. I don't know. There there is an uneven application of what the walkers can do and how they do it. Um and I'm willing to believe if you get like a huge group together and they swarm like one guy, sure. Remember Dale but, got torn open by a, a walker in season 2. Right. Fine, but like I just think this this is weird that like the armor almost seems like an impediment to me versus Yeah. Else. Well, they certainly aren't doing the the Commonwealth soldiers any favors in terms of storytelling in that one no. scene where they've come up with a plan to send Negan to the Commonwealth. And the way that they do it is they like hijack one of the Commonwealth soldiers cars. And the, yeah, there's two Commonwealth soldiers. They get out of their car. They're like, we're going to have to clear zone quadrant two. And then they get out of their car and they start shooting at zombies and then immediately get like uh, jumped somehow by very slow moving zombies. Right. Uh, And yeah, that's the, that's where one of them just immediately gets taken down. Uh, um, the one piece I did like, I love Negan coming back in his whisper with his whisper he's skills. He's constantly in that. He's now. constantly doing this, which I really kind of love. And he's like, um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan is my favorite. Uh, I like, I just, I love how he like shifts into this. Like, he's such a great character. <laughs> so much fun. So this was that was kind of cool yeah. how nonchalantly he does this. I do love um seeing more of him i love i love how he walks right into the commonwealth and he's asking um you know immediately stirring stuff up right and then one of the best things ever is when he's like uh he walks in and oh gosh who does he see and he's like and they're like what are you doing here and he's like rescuing you all again <laughs> you know it's like this really great moment um I, yeah he see i feel like he sees a few people like it's jerry and it's carol oh, jerry who he says is doing carol and like you know he's just such a great and his interactions with carol his like those two have such great chemistry together yeah i was really great. bummed when they did not decide to uh to try and match them up but i guess me too, me too. uh you know what are you gonna do um yeah, so we have a car chase, and Angela Kang talks about how it was fun to be able to shoot a car chase in The Walking Dead. And I remember feeling this was quite jarring watching this episode. I mean, I know that they've reintroduced cars because the Commonwealth apparently can produce and refine gas, which we've seen in Fear of the Walking Dead. So it's not completely out of the scope of like imaginable stuff. Um, but we did have plenty of car chases in this show before. Mm-hmm the time jump and kind of just before Angela Kang took over as showrunner, the end of the savior war, there were still plenty of car chases 
um, in those but episodes. I feel like this is a little tongue in cheek because they even uh, Negan slash Jeffrey Dean Morgan's reaction to being in a car and doing this is a little like, hey, I can't believe I'm doing this in a car. You, you know? imagine like, like the first time you drive a car in 10 years and you're yeah. doing a car chase. Yeah, and it was really so that was actually really well done, and I thought really funny. Um, so I I truly enjoyed that bit. Um, I agree with you. I think it's like, uh, would they really waste this? I don't know. This is a lot of fuel to be wasting on this, and and would they be running this well given how long it's been? And and like they, but and they have these like incredibly gas guzzling SUV type vehicles, right? Uh, like, so it's not even just that they have them. It's that they have probably the most inefficient vehicles of all time. I noticed that they've taken all like the identifying marks off of the cars too. I don't know if that's like standard practice because they don't want to do an ad for uh, if it's not Hyundai and they don't have that agreement anymore. They're just going to like, they're, it's all like, yeah, 10 to 15 year old SUVs <laughs> they're running through the streets. Um, and then in the, Oh yeah, that's that's a different episode. Um, but yeah, so the the car chase, I was I was like, you know, I'm glad it was short, I guess. Uh, but it was um it was it was interesting. Uh at the same time, Daryl is like ambushing Hornsby, shooting him again. Mm-hmm. Hornsby is just getting messed up, especially yeah. uh as the episode continues. Uh yeah. he gets and Daryl does like a one-man ambush on these guys. And there's a there's a scene that I think is easy to miss here. Where during this ambush, he's got the the walkie-talkie that that um, like Negan had thrown him a gun and a walkie, mm-hmm. and he's listening in on the Commonwealth net. And Hornsby says, "You have to stop that car that got away." He's talking about Negan because if Milton or Mercer hear about this, we're eighty sixth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I they have a shot of Daryl looking at the radio as that comes across, and so yeah. that's pretty telling. And I think it helps to inform like. What he does later. And their plan later, too, to have Mercer be their point of contact in the Commonwealth. Maybe mm-hmm. they already knew that he was a stand-up guy. But it's... Yeah, it's I think they did. It kind of reinforces that, though, that that, that uh, Hornsby is out here doing some solo work and not not part of the... Uh, part of the, the overall plan. The establishment, yeah. But I thought that was that was actually pretty good writing. Uh, you, know, you know, they don't often... It's, I guess it's a little obvious, but it, they don't often do that kind of stuff in The Walking Dead. So I felt like it was good. Yeah, agree. Um, and it also gels everything together again, as you said, uh, with the later with the later developments. Um, and it makes it more plausible that they would buy into the new plan that they make um, because yeah. of that overheard bit. So as they get into and then the, the story kind of shifts into the Commonwealth. And I will not ever probably be satisfied with how the Commonwealth has been portrayed. Yeah. We're still just in downtown Main Street, Commonwealth town. There's supposedly 50,000 people in this community. And I feel like we've only seen 20, a part of, well, uh, we've seen an element of it that could only really support a few hundred, maybe a couple thousand. Like it's that downtown, which is like small town America, downtown and they really lean on that ice cream truck, right? Every <laughs> every scene has the ice cream truck in it. Yeah. Actually, I thought that that was deliberate and kind of funny, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um, we still have no real understanding of how they have things like armor for their soldiers, gasoline, running vehicles, bullets, uh, you know, weapons with like customized um, bayonets on them. 
there's still really nothing to explain how they have all this industry and that's constantly going to be annoying for me and i don't think we're ever going to get to see it we saw i think they sort of tried to explain it with that little thing where they go out into the um you know the the cannabis farmers yeah but it's like still not enough to explain this industry and it isn't enough to sustain this level of a population if that's the case so agree i wish that's something they had done a little more of and again maybe they intended to but pandemic stuff definitely put a crimp in everybody's plans oh i'm sure they just didn't have time i don't know no doubt uh in this in this in these scenes we've got all these protests happening in the streets apparently uh you know connie had written an article i forget what it was about was it about that house that daryl and rosita had gone to and all the people who had been sent there before them probably right and so and this list of this list that that was put under their door and they 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 assume that it's all missing people or people who've been killed and so i guess i think that was what the gist of that article was about and this was this one article was enough to send the populace into a tizzy and they're all in the streets saying Milton's are murderers and where's, you know, Milton lies, Sebastian kills. It would be better if it rhymed. Yeah. And I did. Okay. So, so I will say I really did love the ice cream truck here in this particular scenario because they use it as a way to show that not everybody in the population is, is doing this. Like it's, it's definitely part of the population, but you still have people kind of like trying to get ice cream and looking at everybody else like, oh, why are you all riled up, right? There's a like, ton of extras just, in this episode. Like, why can't and, you just enjoy your ice cream? And yeah, and those two day. Those just, two extras have like a good moment of like facial acting like, oh, you know, riffraff or, you know, troublemakers. And then there's there are more there are more extras in this episode than I think I've seen right. in a non-combat episode of The Walking Dead. In right. a long time. And I also enjoy Negan's reaction to seeing this community and this main street. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, shaking his head and grinning like, what in the world? Yeah, exactly. Um, um, there's a scene in Milton's office where Max and Yumiko are kind of in there as her close, close confidants. And Max and Yumiko share a moment where Max is like, I want to keep going. And Yumiko's like, so shall we? So we will or whatever. And I'm again having one of these moments of like, was Yumiko in on any of this? I thought she was part of the establishment. Yeah, so did I. And I don't know that I didn't know that they had looped her in. So maybe she's kind of in or like knows a little bit, but not. I don't know. So I guess that's part that I would go back and look at. But I didn't think that she was like totally in on all of this. It just feels like there's so many of these little moments where I'm like, wait, okay, I guess they're just going to make it. She was always a good she was always a good guy. Like, why would we assume that she's gone evil just because she was brought into the upper crust? Um, And then the other the other thing that I like, look, I just don't then this is just a plausibility thing like Governor Milton, like. Like she, I don't know that she would trust Yumiko. Um, Like, I don't know that she would trust her in the way that she seems to given her connection with um, all of her, her people from the, the last establishment. I don't know that it makes sense for her to trust both of these people in her office. Cause obviously there has to be a leak somewhere. Right. Um, and she's a pretty savvy woman, so like, but I guess you know she didn't sort of see what Hornsby was doing. But I, my feeling is, is that she did kind of know what Hornsby was doing, just was turning a blind eye to it until it became be- convenient to use him as a scapegoat, right? So 
I don't know that like that's the part that just doesn't totally jibe like I don't I think she's a very like cunning and and smart person and like politically she's kind of evil fine but she's also calculating so I don't know that she would trust these two people in this office um as yeah. much as it feels like she does um so that was one thing that just didn't fully sit right like you've got Eugene and um Gosh, what is the assistant's name again? Max. Max. You've got Eugene and Max doing all these very not so subtle plotting things. And I don't know, like, I just felt like that was part of the story. Like, I feel like Max should be more subtle and she's definitely not like. Yeah. I mean, she had that whole awakening last whatever last chapter of this season, right? Where she was like, oh, oh, uh, there's a I have to do this now. Like, I'm all in and persuaded Eugene to help her. Um, But so. Where was I? Uh, my thoughts were just, oh, I think Milton is 100% very calculating, like you said. And I'm, I mean, I don't think it's actually that far of a leap or that insightful for me to say this, but when she gets into her truck after being confronted by the mob and says, B14, do it now. And then one scene later, the zombie wave is seen. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, she unleashed a zombie wave to distract the monsters like absolutely right there's no they haven't come out and said that on the show yet but that feels extremely likely yeah Um, and 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 fairly politically not politically savvy but as long as you don't get caught it's savvy because you then are distracting people away from your political mess i mean it was a way to get people deliberately back into the house right like back into their houses away from and out of this public thing that they're doing um which looks bad for her um so yeah absolutely um that's kind of like her her deal is that she's just looking for a way to turn this whole situation and she's using every trick that she can um and so that's the other thing like you know i like that there's and then we see like some of the other things happening in this episode with um with um Carol and and you know Carol's always like up to something different right um I mean, so she, she, she wasn't it she was just being a good uh, like daycare provider honestly and then things started to go sideways like the odds of her looking out the window just at that moment to see oh I the, know the hit ridiculous. squad coming for her was a little bit hard to imagine right. and also the fact I mean, I know that the kids oh go in quiet mode, but being under the counter in a little cabinet isn't exactly a great hiding place, right? No, but there, um, there's only the two of them. I guess they weren't going to toss the entire place. Yeah. But and she's on the ledge outside her apartment. There, there was a street there full mm-hmm. of people, and you don't think anybody's going to look up and be like, "Why is like, that old oh, lady no. with a knife standing outside her house?" What's going on, like, and on this building, it's not. Again, it's like people are just. <laughs> I, I, one of the things that I do think is really funny about like this whole community is that they do, they do like kind of do a nudge nudge wink wink about these kinds of things which they do with jerry later on um when he's hiding from the same people with the yeah. kid um like this neighbor kind of looks down and sees them hiding and he's like hey what's yeah, up another you know, like, another extra who gets yeah. to like make a facial uh expression on camera like this it just struck me as like oh they're actually yeah. using extras in a weird way that i haven't i don't usually see them yeah. like either looking disgruntled about the protests or like what are you doing with those children under my uh under my windowsill i thought yeah. that was kind of interesting about this episode but yeah um 
they also had this funny audio cue anytime that Calhoun or the other lady were like coming would come into camera and it was like this <laughs> it was almost like a law and order it was. it was weird it was like very strange <laughs> but i thought it was you know it was good it cued you in to uh to be like oh watch out uh hide the children i mean it's you know if you it's it's scary what what were those guys going to do they were obviously they were going to kidnap the children and hold them as leverage so that right. they could have something over daryl and and through the efforts of jerry and those four other extras in the crowd who he's like i got some I got company. Can you can you block them or whatever? And, yep. and they the guys are just like, oh, yep, we do this all the time. This is something that we do in I this know, crowd, right? Like like this is just <laughs> sort of like okay. I guess they have these like very uh, intricate little plans going on. <laughs> they form like, this so unnatural block in the crowd where it's just the four of them. There's two big guys, maybe a couple of ladies, and the the biggest guy just has his hand on on the shoulder of a woman in front of him, and he's just looking at her at the back of her head. While Calhoun and the other uh, Stephanie, I forget what her name is, are like trying to get through. And it's like, there's just four of them go around like you can. They're not they're they're not doing it. Also, they just like walked in front of you and then stopped. <laughs> it, was, it was such a weird thing, but it worked. So good for Jerry uh, and his friends who in the crowd who were practicing their little uh, blocking maneuver. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> I just found that funny. Uh, Carol and um, well, Negan go off on a mission together. They too. do, but I also wanted to say, like your comment before, that you wish that they had gone together. There's a bit of a nod to that because he does tell Carol that you know he has somebody and that he's expecting a child, and she's like, uh -huh. "Why are you telling me that? <laughs> like, why do I? <laughs> like, what?" Well, and so yeah. I thought that that was kind of funny. Um, but he does it in a way like there is a lot going on here, and Angela Kang talks about it later. And there's like a lot of looks, right? There so are a lot of looks. He's so. doing it in theory, like the words he is saying to her is well she's out there and i'm worried about her like yeah. i'm i'm you know exposing have, my vulnerabilities yeah, to, to you here. yeah uh and and then when she walks away he just Harry, um what's his name jeffrey d morgan has like this very subtle look of like do you think she bought it <laughs> on his face which you always have to be guessing with him and carol yes, clearly why is he's so great and yeah. she knows that too so that's like a really i don't know i think that's kind of fun and i i always enjoy their scenes together so i thought that was cool yeah um also so in this in this uh episode with jerry like helping out with gracie and judith and rj i kept coming back to the thought of like where are jerry's kids where's nabila yep. and his like five children that he has why isn't he with the, i guess he's just confident that they're going to be fine they're clearly not in the in the sights of hornsby's hit squad so maybe it's not not a big deal but jerry is there like taking care of other people's children just a just a thought no i thought the same thing and i figured it was just because daryl had a target on his back so jerry's taking care of business in this way and that's sort of his duty and I, honestly that's generally what jerry tends to do um he's like the protector in that way so i mean if he's got intricate intricate plans for crowd blocking i'm sure his family is someplace very safe at, with three levels of you know double secret security passwords or something i mean hopefully those extras will show up as like his his house's bodyguards that would be cool Maybe. get those get those extras back um rosita and mercer have had a few interactions during this episode because she's like you know I, I'm, I'm not gonna get dressed up in my commonwealth soldier outfit for this protest and he's like no we need you and then they when the uh 
zombie wave is is sighted she does get dressed up and like they drive out in these three world war ii era army jeeps mm-hmm. uh yeah i did have some issues with like those army jeeps are like clearly antiques and i sure i mean i guess if somebody was like really working on them they could get them going again and then there uh, two of them have world war ii machine guns on them <laughs> browning 30 uh 30 caliber yeah 30 caliber machine guns and then the one that mercer and rosita have is a, i think it's an m249 uh which is like a modern day machine gun <laughs> and well, it's I just mean, weird it is weird um but the one thing that i did like about their conversation is that rosita is drawing a very specific line she's like look I'm fine helping you get rid of walkers. I have no issue with like protecting people, but if it comes down to repressing or, or somehow like hurting the people in the Commonwealth in this way, I'm not going to be involved and I'm not going to be your muscle. Like my priority is my kids and my family. And that's ultimately where my loyalties lie. And he takes this with good grace. And in fact says, Hey, if you want to get out of the, out of here, I will support you. And, you know, like he is law and order of the Commonwealth. So that was a pretty significant conversation. They're putting a Um, lot of effort into making him seem like a reasonable and good guy now. Right. So um, I don't know if I don't know if that's misdirection or or what. Princess makes like no appearance. True. Which I thought was weird. But you remember, him. Eugene hadn't made any appearances. Um, yeah. Actually, he wasn't in this episode either. He's not in the one before this. It was kind of like after he uh, got back together with Max, and then like there was a little bit of uh, sleuthing that they did together. And then he wasn't in several episodes in the last chapter. I don't know if it was just filming schedule or what, or they just couldn't fit everything in. There's just such a huge cast. Like, you know, but they both felt like significant. You felt they're not being there a lot, mainly because of how they had built it before, but Hey, what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, So I don't know what's going on with the timeline, but Mercer and Rosita drive off in those Jeeps during the day. And then there's some night scenes of like the uh, protests and, and it's kind of weird. I was like, what is happening with time? Yeah, Carol and Negan go and find Sebastian, and that's at night. Um, and Negan gets beat up. Uh, like it's kind of a weird approach, it's a weird use of his character. He's gonna intercede so that Carol can get away with Sebastian and get cold cocked right. by uh, a random civilian and then hammered on by the butt of a rifle by a CW soldier. And and like it's nothing hard. comes of that. In a way, it, nothing comes of it, but it's also like I thought it was weird that a random civilian could get the jump on him, and right? I did not believe that at all. So I thought that was an odd choice. It's also just weird that like they go to all this trouble to find Sebastian and they're sneaking him out of his hidey hole, and then they get and caught almost right away. Person just sees him in a hoodie or something. It's weird. Yeah, they didn't do a very good job of like making him look less. I don't know. It, it was also kind of shady the way that they were escorting him. Right. But like not no big deal. They that doesn't really do anything because uh Carol delivers him by the end of the episode and it's all good. Um yeah. There's also so there's one other scene that I well, there's two other scenes in this episode. The one that was very frustrating, which I've already alluded to, is this uh, machine gun on the Jeeps scene at the end of this episode where they're like, Oh, we have to stop the stop the herd. Somebody wasn't doing their job, which is again making me think, yeah, it's absolutely Governor Milton. Yep. Uh arranged for this herd but now these soldiers are actually in harm's way 
uh, although they're terrible at their job too. Once again, but, the walkers gained the super strength to just tear armor apart. Well, they flipped over their bodies Jeep. apart. I don't know how these guys flipped a Jeep, right? but they did. And then they didn't walk away toward the rapidly approaching Jeep of Mercer. They kind of like stood there um, and they sh- there's a lot of overhead shots where you see one of the soldiers not doing anything to the zombies near him, um, which is just frustrating. And then everybody in that Jeep does the wrong thing, allowing the right. super strength of the zombies to tear and a guy in half. Suddenly, suddenly Rosita is a terrible shot and can't somehow she, do headshots. She, she's just on the wrong weapon. Like the gun that she's on is sighted out to probably 200 meters. Like there's, and, yeah. and the zombies are within one meter, right? So instead of shooting the uh, at zombies, like, I don't know, half a kilometer away, uh, she could have just been focusing on the ones that were actively tearing a guy in half and right in front of her. Uh, so there was just like a an absence of of tactical thought in well, the scene that bothered there is me. That, the one piece I did like about this scene was like the overhead aerial shot when the um when the jeeps are going away and then the zombies kind of the crowd parts to like each group is you know they following the noise. So I thought that that was like a nice little touch. So did I you see at the end of that shot though? Mercer's jeep is driving back into the herd. Oh, I did not notice that. It's so. just like the last <laughs> second or two of the shot. And I don't know if like something was cut. Like they yeah. were like, no, we're going to go back and get the bottom half of that soldier. God damn it. I don't <laughs> know what they were that. thinking, but uh, they, they drive right back into the herd. Uh, well, I mean, maybe you're supposed to be watching the other Jeep, which is driving away. And yes, the zombies are following it. But it was just kind of a funny thing to me. Um, I also just not to to skip up a bit, but I did like the scene between Carol and Negan and Sebastian. I thought that that was like a pretty funny scene, um, just because he's such a like useless character. Um, so yeah, which is why he shouldn't be in the list of like no, he great be. bad guys. He's not. He's a terrible bad guy. He's like, if anything, he's like a sidebar bad guy. But anyway, I mean, he, he it's not that he doesn't represent like a real problem. And it's it's yeah. so interesting, like the 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 argument against like entitlement and privilege that's going on throughout this whole storyline. And he's just like the he's the poster child for that. And um, but it's 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 never gonna be like a uh yeah, like a wanted poster. He's not type. he's not a big bad no, at all. He's not like, a big bad. So he doesn't even come close. Because so. he does not have his eyes wide open, like he is no. he's, he's, he's misled. Um, but but the main part that I liked about that scene is the commentary that Negan has about Carol in that scene, which is like, if this person is telling you that she's going to give you a lifeboat, you should probably take that. Get her on that boat. And like, it was a very cute little scene. So, again, I, I just love those interactions, which is why it made it so sort of dissatisfying when he got sort of taken out so easily. Yeah. So. You want to and you want to see Carol and Negan interacting and because both of those actors are like kind of on a different level and the writing for them is also i think they put more effort into it they definitely do so anyway so that just about wraps up this There's just one more scene in this episode which is where yumiko goes ah. to milton's house and milton's like um yeah i tear gassed everybody if they were outside it, they were outside after curfew and it's all for security it always is and uh and yumiko is like you don't care that, that makes you look guilty and milton shoots back like if you're trying to make an accusation and i'm like Okay, this I didn't think was great writing, or maybe they're writing her on purpose to be obtuse. But what Yumiko seems to be doing here is saying you're handling the situation all wrong, and uh, don't wouldn't you rather not look guilty mm-hmm. by tear gassing your populace for zero reason? Right. Um, 
but but Milton doesn't want to, I don't for whatever reason, doesn't want to see it that way. I just feel like she we you know we know that she's politically savvy. Politically savvy people have to know how to turn a crowd toward them and and tear gassing them is never the uh the no, answer. Definitely never the answer. Um, um and then Sebastian comes in and she slaps him and that kind of like changes the uh, the the whole scene into a different direction and Carol um Carol makes her pitch. Uh we also end up in the sewers, right? right. With the with the people who Carol are Carol and Maggie and Lauren yeah. they... once again shows up with a bunch of stormtroopers. And I mean, I did like how this scene was I do like how the power dynamic shifts in the scene because he's got a look of triumph on his face, even though a gun is being held on him with a knife um, to his throat. Even scarier. Like, yeah. Like he's he, but he sees like his backup and then he's all like excited. Cause he's like, Oh, my people are here. And he does. I have to say the guy who plays Hornsby is incredibly skilled at being so like, kind of like creepy so shady in this shady shady way like you definitely you know that smile was was perfect so sorry we, we sang his praises uh last time what's his name he is uh josh hamilton yes he's doing he's doing some great work yeah he is the big bad i mean him and milton he'll, who knows we'll see she might like people still have their hopes for her um but i'm not sure it's gonna pay off but yeah by the end of this episode it doesn't we don't really know how this uh standoff is gonna end he certainly seems a, a little too smug and satisfied um uh, but that's about everything we have for episode 17 lockdown of the walking dead um i hope you enjoyed that recap uh the news we'll be back again next time with more fresh walking dead prime content um so give us a holler you can get at us on reanimated well on twitter at reanimated pcast uh you can catch uh all the episodes that we have out there on podbean uh, if you just do a little search for us i believe it's podbean slash reanimated podcast or something along those lines i don't know it's too much pressure i can't look it up um <laughs> And uh, you can email us at reanimatedpodcast at gmail.com. And those are the ways. And so thank you for listening and ta-ta. Until next time.